They keep it up, ain't they? <laughs> All right, we're over in Psalms 107 this morning for, for a few minutes. So we're going we're gonna to mix things up a little bit today. I'm going to preach for a little bit, and then we've got someone that's going to speak for a little bit as well. So it's going to be a good morning. I've been looking forward to this. I told you all a couple weeks about it, and I told you Maria had heard, heard, this, uh, heard Kayla speak, and I've refused to listen to it. It's been out there. She's got CDs. She's been online. I won't listen to it because I want to. I want to experience it in person, firsthand with you guys. So it'll be good. Kayla's over in the corner with she's babysitting her three. Travis got it, uh, but it'll be good. Um, we got a few prayer requests. I know where'd you go? All right, Tap said her parents got the Rona, so pray for them. Been sick. Good to have Jonathan back. Jonathan's been sick. Um, just, there's a lot going on. Just. Uh, it's just been, it's, it's like it's firing back up. One of the ladies that works with me, uh, just being prayer for her and her husband, uh, she ended up having a miscarriage Friday. Um, so it's, this is her second. She has a son that's 11, and uh, she's remarried, and this was going to be their first child. She's, um, it, well, if you can imagine, if you've been through it, it's tough. So um, being prayer for her, I'm not going to mention any names, but... Um, and then I got to take my dad down Thursday for some shots down in... Where am I going? Is it Greensboro? I think I'm going to Greensboro. All right, I think that's where I'm taking him. But it's for his shoulders. So been prayer for traveling down there and back. I think we have to be there at 7:15. So we've got to leave it really early to get down there. Um, and then school starts back for Watauga tomorrow. So be in prayer. We got we got several here. Not you, Gideon, but we got others that are here that are going to start back tomorrow. So be in prayer for them. It's been a been a long summer. It's, it's been a long time since we had a really long summer like that. They got out early and get to start a little bit late. We didn't have to deal with snow days anymore, so it's good. And then uh, September 19th, y'all probably got an email, and we're going to keep kind of pushing it out there. September 19th, uh, it's a Monday night at 6 o'clock. At the moment, it's going to be over at the Senior Center, but if y'all keep registering, we're going to have to move it because we got seating for about 100, and we've already got right at 50-some people women registered to be there so we might have to move it but we're going to have uh, an event for women only and it's uh, beauty out of uh, beauty from ashes is what it's called and it's uh, out of isaiah but we're going to have four uh, ladies that are going to speak that night when i will be kayla um four ladies are going to speak that night about where they found redemption in the lord uh, how he has brought them through whatever the situation is for each one of them individually 
So mark your calendars. You women mark calendars. If your men show up, they're going to run you out because they need your seat. Uh, Y'all can go to Hardy's and wait on them if you want to, but don't, don't be in there. So mark that down September 19th. We'll keep talking about it. I'll keep uh, reminding everybody about it. Uh, appreciate Rita buying out like eight or nine seats. Thank you. Just keep this <laughs> free event, not buying. It's a free event. So, and there will be food there. The Baptist Association is going to provide food, snacks, things like that, because it's kind of right after work. So you guys probably going to be hungry. All right, that's it. I'll shut up and start preaching now. Psalms 107 is where we'll be. And I love this psalm. It's a lengthy psalm. I'm not going to read the whole psalm because uh, we only needed to pick out certain parts of it, about seven different verses. That's what we're going to pick out of it this morning. And we're going to look at, at being thankful. Uh, it's, it's just August. We ain't nowhere close to Thanksgiving yet. not going to rush anything, but it's one of my favorites. But we tend to only think about being thankful around Thanksgiving. We don't stop and consider the things that the Lord has done for us on a daily basis. We, we're not very thankful when it comes to where He has given us the opportunity to wake up in the morning and to go to work and to provide for our families. We, don't, we tend not to be that thankful for it. But what do we do when we're not thankful? We complain, don't we? Anybody in here ever complain? A little bit every now and then? I was complaining yesterday. I, I have to tell you all this. My heart, since November-ish, has been set on Fruity Pebbles. I want Fruity Pebbles, but according to my wife, they're fortified, so I can't have Fruity Pebbles. She read the box wrong. I can have Fruity Pebbles. That was the first thing I ate this morning. When I, and I complain about not, all I can eat is Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, not plain Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios. That's about all I can eat. Uh, uh, well, she gets that Barbara's cord, or cardboard, what, cardboard, I don't know what it is. It's... Barbara, whoever Barbara is, they need to fire her as a chef because her food tastes like cardboard. So I just quit eating cereal in general. I eat my Cheerios, but I, I ate that bowl this morning. I said, you know, if I was stranded on an island for years and years and years, and I, I was thinking about Castaway and, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway, and if I, if I was ever stranded on an island and I got to come back home, my first meal would be a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. That's what I love, Fruity Pebbles. But I complain all the time because I can't have them Fruity Pebbles. I love them. But what I don't do is thank God that He has at least provided me with one cereal I can eat, Honey Nut Cheerios. I ought to be thankful for that one bowl of cereal that I can eat. But instead, I complain about all the things that I can't eat. And it's getting better. It's getting a lot better. But my flesh is prone to complain. And I can probably say, every one of y'all can say amen, that your flesh is pr pr uh, prone to complain as well. We're complainers. We're not very thankful, for the most part, we're not very thankful for what He has provided for us. We complain about what we can't have or, or couldn't do or couldn't say. We complain about it. And as I was reading Psalm 107 this week, I was reminded that I have, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I mean, I've got... I've got more to be thankful for right now than I can, I can count. I mean, you just look, my, my world is here with me today. i got my family, and I'm thankful for that. Thankful for God's blessings. Thankful for His grace. Thankful that He loves me. Thankful for the sacrifice of His Son on the cross. I'm very thankful for those things, but I, don't, I never tell Him that. We pray, we pray for the, the things that are going on in this world or in our lives that are always sounding negative. We, we pray and we, we ask Him to help and we ask Him to provide. We ask Him to do that. When was the last time that we just stopped and said, Thank you, Lord. 
Just thank you. Thank you for what you have done for me. Lord, I, I'm sorry I'm, I'm complaining all the time, but Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. But I'm reminded that I've got to be a lot to be thankful for. And you do too. Every single one of us has something to be thankful for. So this morning, I just, I just want to share seven things with you that we should be thankful for. Just seven. Just seven. Going back to Keith's number this morning. <laughs> Keith was talking about forgiving people seven times 70. That's the, that's the number of completeness. But we're going to look at seven of them. Now, we're not going to stand and we're not going to read this morning because I've got, they're spread out all over. If you look at, at verse, or Psalm 107, it's, it's pretty lengthy, so I'm just going to go through and read them as we go through it. But you, there are only, there's more than this, but there are seven things that I want you guys to remember that you need to thank God for every time you pray. So let's pray. Lord God, this morning as uh, we come to you, Lord, with some with heavy hearts, some with hearts full of joy, some with hearts of nervousness, and some with hearts of anxiety. God, I pray today that we could put all that aside. We cast it aside. God, first and foremost, we'll come to you and we'll just ask you to, to bless this time that we have together. But Lord, then we're going to ask you uh, to be with us. Lord, to guide us and direct us. Lord, to, Lord, I pray, Father God, that we would lean on you and call upon your sweet name in times of need. This morning, we do want to thank you. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the ones that make this church. They just make us up. Lord, the, the different personalities that we have here, the different individuals, Lord, it, it's what makes this thing a church. It's what makes this work the way that it does. Lord, we're, we're different members of the body, and each member is different. But, Lord, the head is the same. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the guidance that you're giving us, the direction that you put us on. And I pray, God, this morning as we go into this message, God, that you would just bless our hearts, bless our time together, and allow us to be more thankful for the things that you are doing and that you have done for each one of us. And Lord, we just pray for Kayla as well as she comes forward after a while to, to give her testimony. And, Lord, I pray that it would bless each and every one of us. We love you and we praise you this morning. In all this your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do this morning, again, we're going to kind of breeze through 107, Psalm 107. The first verse I'm going to look at is verse number 2. The Bible says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. If you're a Christian, you've been redeemed. If you're a Christian, we can all raise our hands this morning and say, we have been redeemed. And the Bible tells us we've been redeemed of the enemy, from the enemy. We've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. He has saved us from the wrath of hell. He has saved us from the power of Satan. He has taken Satan's children away from him and he has made us his children. We have become heirs to the throne because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. Because he loves us. Do you think the devil loves us? No. Do you think he loves to hurt us? Yes. But he don't like us. He loves it when he can take away God's children. He loves it whenever he can make it hard on us. But he don't care for us. He don't love us. He don't even like us a little. But Jesus does. Jesus loves us. Absolutely loves us to the point where he said, I will die for you. I will sacrifice myself for you because I love you. And of course, the devil gets pretty mad about that because 
He's taken away one of his children. He's taken away one of his that was going to spend eternity in hell with him. Jesus paid for your salvation at Calvary. The Bible tells us that we are no longer our own, but we have been bought with a price. Now, can we, can we pay that price back? No. Can we pay for what Jesus did on the cross for us? Can, is there any physical way that we can pay him back? No. Spiritually, yes. We've got a lot of work to do. Making disciples, going out and talking to folks. We have a lot of work to do to help pay that back. So when we get to heaven and we get our rewards, we can give them back and we can say, these are yours. That's the only way we can do it. Only way we can do it. The price that was paid was the death of the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was slain. And as Keith said this morning, he did it. If it was just for Keith, he did it. If it was just for Chad, he would have done it. If it was just for Mike or Morris or Georgia, Conley, any of us here, if there was just one individual on earth that he needed to come for, he would have done it. But he ended up doing it for all of us, for all of mankind. And he said, I'll leave it up to you whether you want to accept this sacrifice or not. I will leave it up to you if you want to make me your Lord and Savior. I will leave it up to you. I will give you free will. Totally up to you. Does it break his heart when someone uh, turns their back on him? Absolutely. Does it break his heart when somebody denies him? Absolutely. Does it break his heart when that soul dies here on earth and goes to hell and is separated from him for eternity? It breaks his heart. Breaks his heart. But he said, I'll leave it totally up to you, whatever you want to do. He said, but I paid the price for each one of you. I took it upon myself on that cross for you. I died for you. There was a little boy who lived up in New England in, in a little seaport town up there. He loved to go out there on the, on the dock, and he loved watching them boats come in in the evenings. They'd go out, way out deep in the Atlantic, and they'd go fishing, and then they'd come back in, and they'd bring in their catch, and that young boy would sit there on the dock every single day, and he'd watch him boats. Boy, he loved them boats. And he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to build me one of them. And so for weeks and weeks and weeks, he spent time at home building and perfecting his boat. Now, not a big boat, not a big fishing boat, but he made him a, a small sailboat. And he spent so much time perfecting it. And finally the day came and he said, I'm going to take her out there. I'm going to put her out in the, in the ocean. We're going to watch that thing sail. And so he carried his little sailboat down there and he put her in the water and it took off. The wind was perfect. And that, that little boat sailed around there. Well, then the storm rolled in. And when the storm rolled in, the winds, just like with Peter, the winds got boisterous. The winds got bad, and it, it, the winds got a hold of that sail on his little boat, and it sucked it on out to sea. The boy was devastated, tore his heart out. He worked so hard for that thing. So he went down to the seashore every single day looking for his boat. He would walk up and down, and he'd look for his boat. He never could find it. One day, about a month or so later, he was walking back through town after he couldn't find his boat, and as he's walking by one of the little general stores there, he looked in the wind, and there was his boat. His boat had made it back to shore, and somebody had took it in to this store, and they had set it up for sale. Two bucks. Two dollars for this boat. And that young boy, well, he ran in there, and he, said, he told the clerk, said, ma'am, that's my boat. She said, for two bucks, it'll be your boat. He said, but I built that boat. For two dollars, you can have it back. And they tried to argue and negotiate and to, to no avail. 
woman would not give it up. So he got out his money. He had a little money in his pocket, and he'd give her two bucks. And he took his boat, and he went home. But on his way out the door, this is what the young man said. He said, little boat, you are twice mine. You are mine because I made you. Now you're not mine because I bought you. Ain't we a little boat? As children of God, ain't we a little boat? He created every single one of us. He knew us in the womb. He knew us before the womb. He knew every single one of us. He created you. But then he bought us with a price. He died on that cross for each one of us. So we are twice his. If we accept him, first we're his because he created us. Secondly, when we ask him into our heart to be our Lord and Savior, that's when he bought us with a price. We're twice his. Are you a little boat this morning? Secondly, be thankful for deliverance. Now, verse, verse number 6, 107, 6 says, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Be thankful for deliverance. What, what has God delivered you from? Now, we're pretty quick to say the negative things. He's delivered us from whatever. It might be negative, but just, just stop and think for just a moment. What has he delivered us from? If you are saved, if you are saved, you've been delivered from eternal lake of fire. If you are saved this morning, you've been delivered from the, the wailing and the gnashing of teeth that we read about over in Revelation. If you are saved this morning, you have been delivered from the hands of the, the devil. You have been handed over to the loving hands and the loving arms of Jesus Christ. We should be thankful for that. Yeah, we should be very thankful for that. If you've been saved, he's delivered you from the bondage of sin. Oh, sin. Man, I tell you what, it's getting deeper and deeper. It seems like every day it's like a new sin. Now, who is our shepherd? The Bible tells us the Lord is our shepherd. He's my shepherd. You go over 23rd Psalm, tells us. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to go over, read you a verse here. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, thy comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we know our shepherd. We're his sheep. We follow him. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. They know that sound. And so the more you pray to God, the more you're going to hear that, that voice and the more familiar you're going to be with that voice. I got a dog. I don't know if y'all know this or not. I got me a dog. I got, I, his name's Hank. He's a golden retriever, registered golden retriever. I'm loving that dog. And we did it the same way with Hank as we did with Opie, where we only let Paisley deal with Opie. Only Paisley could teach him his tricks. Only Paisley was feeding him and watering him and taking him outside because we wanted Opie to know 
the owner's voice, the master's voice. Paisley is Opie's master. We're doing the same thing with Hank. I don't really want them messing with Hank unless I need them to let him out in the mornings or something. But they're not teaching him commands. It's me because I want him to know I am his master and he listens to me. So he's recognizing my voice. He hears me and he obeys me. The same with us as sheep, as God being our shepherd. We need to listen for that still small voice. We've got to listen for his commands. We have to be on our toes and ready to act. Listen to those commands and act when he says act. We've got to listen to him and him only, not the world. He's going to lead you in the right way. And one day he's going to lead you home. Right now it's just a journey. Right now we're just tearing around and he's eventually going to lead us on home where we're supposed to be with him. Even though you might go through... Like David said, uh, the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be there with you. We're going to walk through that valley with his rod and his staff by his, by his side, by our side. He's going to comfort us. He's going to be with us. Fourth, be thankful for fulfillment. Verse number nine says, For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Now, longing, you can look up different definitions of longing. Longer longing. But the Webster's 1850 whatever version I like to get my definitions out of says to desire earnestly or eagerly. So if you have a longing, longing means to desire earnestly or eagerly. God will satisfy the longing of your soul. God will satisfy that. I'm going to put it in a different spin here. That, that desire of your soul that you might have of your soul, God will hear it, and he will fulfill that. God will satisfy it. Now notice that it doesn't say he will satisfy the longings of our flesh. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I know that probably sounds kind of odd, but I'm thankful that he does not satisfy the longings of our flesh. Because if he did, Morris would have like, I don't know how many houses at the beach, and he'd mow another 30 some yards. And he, he would, if he was to, it doesn't say that he's going to satisfy the longing of our flesh because the longing of my flesh, if I, if I like the beach, which I don't, I would be down there beside Morris and I'd have a big old boat. That would be the longing of my flesh. I'd have a boat. And I'd have Morris mow my yard. <laughs> Everybody else. <laughs> the longing of my flesh will be these fleshly desires that we have. A bigger house. Yeah. Nicer cars. People to do the work for us. Money to, I wouldn't have to work. That's the desires of the flesh. But we know what the Bible says. And it says, For he satisfieth the longing of soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Let your soul long for righteousness. If you'll, if you'll long have that longing in your heart for righteousness, he will provide for it. He will quench that thirst. Let him pour that water upon your soul that he gives us to satisfy our souls, our thirsty soul. The Bible tells us as the deer pants after the water, let your soul pant after God. You won't leave empty. And if you're hungry and you're thirsty, he'll fill you up. But you got to have your, your soul's got to be longing for the things of God, not things of the world, not things of the flesh. Fifth, 
be thankful for conviction. Verse 11 and 12 says, Because they rebelled against the words of God and, and uh, contempted the counsel of the Most High, sorry, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Believe it or not, I'm thankful for conviction. There's things in this world that I'd like to do. There's things in this world that each one of y'all would like to do. But because of the Holy Spirit, you ain't going to do it. It's called conviction. Or maybe you did do it, and now you're miserable. It's still called conviction. Did he convict my heart when I jumped out of that airplane a couple months or a couple weeks ago? Nope. No regrets. No conviction whatsoever. we got to talk, by the way. So we, there's no conviction there. I, was it stupid? Yeah, absolutely. It was stupid. I want to do it again. I'm not stupid. But there's conviction. I'm thankful for conviction. If we did not feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit on our hearts, then there's a strong chance you ain't saved. If you're not convicted when you say or do something, you feel no remorse whatsoever when you say and you do something, when you sin against God, then there's a strong chance that you're not saved. When we rebel, verse 11 is telling us that, so, uh, yeah, it says because they rebelled against the words of God, God brings down our heart with labor. He hurts us. He hurts our, it hurts our heart. The Holy Spirit hurts our heart. And it, it convicts us and it makes us miserable people until we are forgiven for that. A rebellious Christian will be disciplined by God. I promise you that. If you are saved by God's good grace and you mess up and you, you sin against God, He will. He will discipline you because that's what a father does. That's what a mother does. That's what a, a parent does. He does so so we might be, may not be condemned with the world. He does it so He doesn't want to see us ruin our lives. What it does is it makes not just the church, but it makes Christian, it makes God look bad when we keep doing what we're not supposed to be doing. It reflects badly upon the Lord. But He does it because He cares for us. He allows that rug to be pulled out from under our feet so we might not forget about Him. I'm thankful for that conviction because it reminds me that I'm His child. I'm His we need that chastisement of the Father. Can, I want you to look at, at the world right now. So that butt-whooping generation is a thing of the past. And they're pretty good youngins. But now we're a, a generation of go sit in the corner. Or no, no, don't do that, and we let it go. We need chastisement. We need to be chastened by our, our parents. That's what parents are to do. I'm all right with the butt-whooping. Not now. I don't like them, but I don't mind giving them if I need to. Look at look at our, our the the generation coming up now. It's they're soft. They need that. Hebrews twelve eight tells us, but if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. A person living rebelliously that has no conviction or discipline for God is obviously not a child of God. If they have no remorse for what they're doing. They're not a child of God. Number six, be thankful for His Word. That's way down in verse 20. He went, I'm sorry, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Be thankful for His Word.
I am thankful for the Word of God. It's, it's settled in heaven forever. There's nothing that we need to do to it. We don't need to be changing the Word of God. We don't need to take away from it. Definitely don't need to be adding to it. We don't need to be trying to uh, fit the Bible in our lives. We need to be fitting our lives around the Bible. That's what we are supposed to be doing. It's our guidebook. It, it affects, I was reading this this week, said it affects the comforted and comforts the affected. It reproves, rebukes, but praise God, it exhorts us too. It reproves and rebukes. It's also exhorting. We need to stick with it. As we read his word, the spirit speaks to us because he inspired it. I don't know if I still have this thing here or not. I do. So, the Bible tells us it's a lamp to our feet and light to our path. So this, this one's missing a piece on it. Probably what's here. Broke off. This is a lamp from Israel, by the way. This is the, when we read about the lamps in the Bible. This is what they look like. It's not something like you'd rub it, the genie come out, like you're probably thinking. It was clay. It's pottery. But they would take these, and it'd have a handle on it, and they'd actually attach that to their sandals. And as they walked, that's how they would light their way. They didn't have like you, you know, coon hunt or something like that. You have a lamp in front of you. They didn't have those. All they had was this. And they'd light that wick, and they'd have that on the tip of their toe to light the path. The lamp that would light the way in front of them was this lamp right here. The lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. So the Word of God is that. It's going to allow us to go through and light the way here in this world. It's before us. Number seven, last one. Be thankful for His power. Verse 25 it says, for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Verse 29 says, he maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. He can cause the storm to come, and he can cause the storm to go. All he has to do is speak. All he had to do was speak, and he calms it. Think about Peter again, walking out. That boaster's wind, it was getting rough out there, and Peter had his eyes focused on Jesus, and only Jesus. Whatever was going on around him at the time, he didn't know. He didn't care because he had his eyes focused on Jesus. But I can only imagine, but when that wind picked up, if you've ever heard wind, whenever it really gets to howling out there, it'll make you look around. It makes funny sounds. And it, it'll, it'll take your eyes off of whatever you're doing just to look around, even though you probably can't see it. Take your eyes off of it, off of whatever you're looking at. And the same with Peter, took his eyes off Jesus. And he was focused on the storm. Just remember that the one that started that storm can finish that storm. He will end that storm. He will, all he does is speak to it. He can speak peace, be still. And I want you to think of it this way. He created me. He created you. Every one of y'all. Even that. Can y'all believe that? Even that was created by God. It's amazing. It's amazing God. He done... A lot for each one of us. 
But number one, He created us. So that means that He can heal us. And there's many of you sitting here today can, can testify to that one. He can't heal us. And every one of us can sit here and stand here this morning and say that He has and will provide for us. Every one of us. And He has sustained us. It's like the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. He has sustained us. And he can love me unconditionally. But here's what I want you to remember. As he's sustaining me and providing for me and loving me and, and caring for me unconditionally, at the exact same time, he's doing it for every single one of y'all. At the exact same time, he's doing it for everybody in this world. That's the kind of power he has. And it's unconditional. He can do exceedingly and abundantly great things for us. He can love us exceedingly above all that we can ask or think of. The Bible tells us he's the Alpha and the Omega. He says he's the beginning and the end. He is all. Prince of Peace. But he is all powerful. All powerful. And we need to remember that. And when we pray and we talk to him, we need to thank him for his power. But it's because it is by his power, by his might, by his grace, by his strength that he can sustain us. It is by his power that that stone was rolled away that Easter morning. It is by his power that God resurrected him from the grave. That same power that he had to raise the dead, the same power he had to heal all those people where we was reading about Wednesday night, I think, yeah, in that parable of the multitude. All the people that followed him that he healed, he still has that kind of power for each one of us. Unconditional. Unbelievable power. He has it for each one of us. And we need to remember that. But like I said, these, these seven things we need to be thanking God for and a lot more. A lot more. So I'm going to be quiet for a few minutes, and we're going to let Kayla Townsend come and speak. Are you nervous? You're shaking. Yeah. Don't shake. You're fine. Kayla, I'm going to give her the lapel mic. The kids warmed it up for you. And, and she's going to speak. She's going to give her testimony. And again, I have not heard it. Maria has. I don't know if Abby has or not. But I put it off for a reason, because I wanted to hear it with you guys. And uh, I appreciate her coming. It's been, it's been a lengthy process getting you up here between covid and COVID, and COVID, and COVID, and then vacations. We tried to time it where everybody be back from vacation here at the church, because I want everybody to hear. So we've got it. She's here, and we're going to bring her up here. This is Kayla Townsend. She is, uh, well, me and her both married into the family. She married a Townsend, and I married a client that was a Townsend, and however that works. But this Kayla, she goes to uh, Clark Street Baptist Church. I preach David Lunsford. David, y'all ever go up to uh, New River Bill Supply. Um, he's the guy with the little tiny hands. Not really. They're like suitcases. My name's Kayla. Um, I was born and raised in Watauga County. Um, I'm really nervous, so pray for me. Um, 
I don't speak in front of people. Um, I don't like to do it, but the Lord told me to do it, so that's why I'm doing it. <clears throat> so um, I know my testimony by heart, but I have to write it down because if I don't, when I speak in front of people, I'll just forget and I'll be standing here stuttering and you won't hear a word I'm saying. So there's four reasons why I'm doing this. It's to glorify God, keep my promise that I made to God, share my testimony, and the last reason I'll tell you at the very end. Um, to go back a little bit, um, when I was 18 in 2007, um, I got really sick. Um, I was about to start college, and um, I had blood clots throughout my entire body. And I had just recently met my husband. We were dating at the time. And um, I was on my deathbed. Um, they told my parents that I wouldn't make it, and I was in Baptist for almost a month. Um, and I made a promise to God. I said, if you get me through this, then I promise I will glorify your name. I'll tell everybody what you've done for me, how you've gotten me through this. Amen. And I spoke at a couple of churches when I got out, and I spoke to the youth group at my home church at the time was Prophets Grove Baptist Church. Um, and then after a while, I just kind of let it go. And um, me and Travis got married in 2012, and... Um, they told me in the beginning that it was unlikely that I could have children. And so we tried to have children, and in 2014, I had to have an emergency hysterectomy, which caused us not to have children. And um, it was very hard for um, me physically and mentally. And um, I asked God, you know, get me through this, and I will glorify your name, tell everyone about you. I made a promise. Um, again, I did tell people my testimony, tell them about God. And um, we do have two kids that we adopted. Um, so there was a blessing out of that. God gave me a blessing, two beautiful kids. And then in 2018, um, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And... Again, I said, God, please get me through this. I promise I will glorify your name. I will tell everyone about you and share my testimony. And I started to write a book. And um, then COVID hit, and I just dropped it. I didn't fulfill that promise. Um, so that leads me up to this year. Friday, March the 18th of this year, our family was faced with a trial. And it wasn't just me this time it was affecting, it was my entire family. Um, we were in an accident in Boone and I was driving and I turned out into a turning lane and I don't remember anything after that. We were hit head on by another vehicle and we were sitting still and that car was going 65 miles an hour. and. The only reason we made it through that was God. I remember when I was coming to in the accident, I could hear my husband asking if we were okay, and I remember hearing um, him saying, you're not okay, and it, I just thought of my children, and I could hear my children screaming in the back seat, and um, when I got where I could turn around and look, I saw my daughter and she was just covered in something wet and she had blood on her neck and I didn't know if we were okay or if we weren't okay. 
So then my husband got my daughter out of the car and my door was jammed and I was trying to get my son and I remember looking back at him. He wasn't saying a word, he was just staring. And he said, why did this bad thing happen? And that has stuck with me since the accident. And just instantly I grabbed him because they couldn't get us out and I kicked the door open. Um, and they separated us all and took us in separate ambulances to the hospital. Luckily, we all had minor injuries. My son had to go to Baptist, but we eventually all came home together. Um, after the accident at home, I always see things in my life as, what is God trying to tell me? And even though the accident wasn't my fault, at home I was looking at my son had to have a catheter, so he was just able to lay for like four days and not move. My daughter had this awful mark on her neck. My husband had his arm in a cast thing, and I just was wondering why, why is this happening? And it was so hard for me to look at my family and see them hurt. And so me and my husband had a conversation one night and I said, there's a reason why this happened. There's a reason why this accident happened and I need to know why. And he asked me if I had read our courtly lesson for the week. And I think we read the same courtly that y'all do at our church. And I said, no, I haven't read it. And I was kind of mad at God questioning why. And he said, I want you to read the courtly lesson. So he went to bed and my mind was still, I couldn't sleep. My courtly was laying by my bedside beside my Bible. And I laid there and I stared at that thing till 4 o'clock in the morning. And I finally picked it up and I read it. And that was my answer. So when I opened the courtly, at the beginning it says, um, A man's wife was pregnant and almost died. The doctors were able to save her life, but the baby never had a chance. That family wondered what was God doing, what where are they going, and can God really take care of them? And this wasn't the only season their family had struggled to trust God. Thankfully, the, wor the work of Jesus is more powerful than our questions and our doubts. And I was thinking, this is not the only season that we have struggled as a family. And so I kept reading. And it said, John 13, 36, 14, 1. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither... Goest thou, Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. Do ye believe in God? Believe also in me. After reading that, I was shaking and crying because it was plain as day what God was saying. You denied me three times. And you promised me that you were going to tell everyone about me, share your testimony, and I never fulfilled that promise. And it was plain as day what God was telling me. It said in the courtly... Um, Peter was more focused on what he wanted to know about God than what Jesus wanted him to do for God. I also was more focused on how I was going to glorify God rather than what Jesus wanted me to do for God. 
Peter said, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Peter was recklessly confident in his conviction. Peter believed in his ability to hold firm to his faith, but Peter was wrong. I was also wrong by making those promises. I thought I could fulfill them, and I didn't, and I broke those promises. And God woke me up. Jesus gave Peter's self-confidence a good shake, asking him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for thy sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. During that accident, I believe God was giving my self-confidence a good shake, reminding me of the three promises that I made him and that I denied. When I started going over the courtly, I believe um, God will use numbers to show you things. And this morning in the courtly lesson, um, we heard the number seven and number three. When I was reading the, sesh, or the lesson, I started seeing the number three throughout a lot of things that happened during the accident. First of all, the courtly session, in the beginning of your courtlies, you have a session number. That session for the courtly that I read was session number three. And this is just a representation, but in the car with me, I had three promises that God gave me, my husband, my son, and my daughter. God showed me the three promises I made him and denied and how that could have cost me the three promises that he had given me. During that day, I was separated from my family three times. First by ambulance. I was put in an ambulance and my husband and my children were taken in a separate ambulance. So that was the first time we were separated. The second time we were separated, I was put in a hospital room by myself and they were put in another one. And the third time we were separated was when I had to go home alone without any of them. And that was really hard. Um, my son and my husband were sent to Baptist. And my aunt took my daughter to her house. And I had to take that ride home alone. And looking back at it, it's just wow, God could have taken everything away from me because I wasn't obedient to Him. Those three wonderful promises that He gave me could have been taken away like that. In the accident also, there was my car and then there was three other cars. Um, I didn't know that there was a fourth car involved, but it was a three-car accident. Um, and this is just a representation um, my car was hit and we hit another car. So there's the three promises. The fourth car was never hit by me. I never touched that fourth car. To me, that is my fourth chance to fulfill the three promises that God, that I told God I was going to do. Peter believed he was strong enough and passionate enough and experienced enough and dedicated enough to hold on to his faith in Jesus no matter what. He said, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus said otherwise, and Jesus was right. When the time came to stand up for Jesus, Peter fell down, and he denied, denied, denied. And when the rooster crowed, he remembered that Jesus had told him this would happen. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. And when I realized what Jesus was telling me through this accident, I wept bitterly. I... When I realized what I needed to do, I was excited, but I was also scared. And it was 4 o'clock in the morning, like I said, and I wanted to call my pastor and say, I need to come share my testimony, like, today. <laughs> so 
I had to wait till he woke up, of course, but I did message him. Um, Peter's plan was that he would die for Jesus, but Jesus had the opposite plan. Verse 36 points to the idea that Peter's faith, faith was, wasn't strong enough to follow Jesus to death at that moment, though he would indeed do so later. <clears throat> I believe this is my later. It's my chance to fulfill those promises that I made God. And in the beginning, I told you there was four reasons why I was doing this. The fourth reason, I want to make sure everyone in here knows the Lord as your Savior. I want to share my testimony um, real quick. I was saved on April 30th, 2013 um, at Prophets Grove Baptist Church. I thought I was saved. And it was the last night. It was a revival. And I remember sitting in the pew and um, I don't know if you know preacher David Ward. It's in Watauga County. Um, he was preaching that night, and he was preaching on hell. And um, I remember looking at him, and he said, I'm going to stay up here because somebody needs to come up here. And I was thinking, that can't be me. I'm, I know I'm saved. No, I'm not going to go up there. My heart was pounding, and all, all week I couldn't sleep. I had been talking to my pastor about it. I was having doubts. Well, my husband, I couldn't get him out of the way fast enough. I wanted to run to the car. And um, he's chatty, so he stayed behind to talk, and I'm so glad he did. But I went and I sat in my car, and I had a friend with me, and I was just crying. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I'm not sure. And she said, if we leave right now and we get in an accident and you die, where are you going? And I just said, hell. And I got out of that car, and I ran back in that church, and that preacher was still standing up there. And it's like he knew when he saw me walk through the door, he knew. And I went up there and I asked the Lord to come into my heart. And I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> um, and it, it also makes me want to tell you, even though you go to church and if you have doubts and you don't think you're saved, I was about to let pride get in the way of me getting saved because I was thinking, all these members of my church have seen me proclaim that I have been saved and I'm a Christian. How can I go up in front of all these people? But when you die and you're faced with the Lord, none of those people around you are going to matter. What's going to matter is between you and God. And I would have hate to let pride get in the way and me deny him because of what I thought, what other people were going to think because it doesn't matter. So before you leave today, make sure that you know you're saved. If God's telling you to do something, even if it's out of your comfort zone, please do it. Um, my pastor made a, a comment when I shared my testimony. He said, Peter said he would die for Jesus and lay down his life. But when you think about it, that's too easy, especially in the world we're living in today. So not only do I want you to make sure you're saved, but make sure that you're living for him. Because laying down your life for him would just, it would be too easy. That's all I got. So Kaylee just did something that most people won't do. And that's speak, at least speak from the heart. Um, I'm still trying to absorb all that too. There's things in there I didn't know about. <clears throat> Not that, you know, that I don't care. Just there's things and that goes on in families that we don't know about. And but that denying 
the, the nine Christ three times that she's talking about for Peter, for herself. I think we've all can say that we we can reflect back and say we we denied him sometime in our lives, and he's given us another opportunity, another opportunity to proclaim the gospel. He's given us multiple opportunities, I know, to give testimony. And so this morning, um, I just want you to just to think about your testimony just for a moment and ask yourself if you have one if you don't have a testimony you don't have that time where I know we talk about it we sing about that time and a place and that was one thing that my mom always talked about because she was just saved a few years ago she, she was kind of like Kayla where she grew up she was in church and she thought she was saved and then she realized she wasn't and she had that pride problem too because she was, you know, up in her 50s and she didn't know. Uh... That's not embarrassing at all. No, that's not embarrassing. But my mom was the same way and, and she finally, as I've told y'all before, she spit her pride out because pride taints your body. And she got things right with the Lord. She has that testimony now. But... We sing and we talk about having a time and a place where it took place. Remember Daniel over at uh, Beach Valley, his was in a laundry room. Preacher Bradley Swift, his was in a patrol car. Everybody's testimony doesn't begin at the altar. It begins where the Lord deals with your heart. And so think about that for a moment. We're going to close out here in just, in just a minute. But think about where the Lord saved you. And make sure that the Lord saved you. Make sure that you do have that time, that place, that you have that testimony. And try your... Try to recall... No, that's not what I want to say. Try to prevent the rooster crowing three times in your life. Don't allow the rooster to crow in your life so that you pass up an opportunity to be a witness, to be the person that could witness to. I'm not going to say it was Preacher David. Y'all remember Preacher David? He did a revival up here a few years ago. I think it was your friend in the car. It was that moment. Where would you be? I don't know. I'm, that's between you and God. I, I'm not going to get in that. But is there? do you have that moment when it just clicked in your life? And you said, yes, I need Jesus. Have you had that moment? Let's pray. Father, this evening as we stop what we're doing, and we reflect back on your goodness. God, we're going to stop what we're doing right now. We're not going to think about the world. We're not going to think about anything, not, not what we're going to eat for lunch when we get home. We're not going to think about anything right now. But Lord, I want us to stop and think. Do we have that testimony? Do we have that time and that place where we've asked you into our heart? Do we have the, the knowledge in our heart knowing that when we leave this place, when you call us home, home is going to be heaven. When you call us out of this world, we've made the decision to follow you. And to follow you all the way up to the gates. To meet you face to face. To hear those words, well done. Do we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're not going to hear depart from me for I know you're not. God, thank you. That I've got my time and my place. 
I know exactly when you saved my soul. God, I thank you for that. I pray, God, this morning as we close out this service. God, I thank you so much for, for Kayla, for her heart, for her family, and for giving her the peace that she needed today to speak. But Lord, do we have that in our hearts as well? Are we are we ready to stand, not just before you and give account of this life, but are we ready to stand before this world and give an account for where you saved us, where you provided for us, where you have saved us, where you protected us, where you protected our family? God, I've seen that ready. I know exactly what Taylor Travis went through. I worked a lot of red flock in this, and it should not have been Should not have been been walking away from that. It should have been worse. But God, you protected me. And you give Taylor one more opportunity to speak. And God, I pray today that we have that opportunity as well. Don't let it be a wreck that opens our eyes. Don't let it be the loss of a loved one that opens our eyes. Let it be this moment in time right now where we can stand before this congregation, before someone else. Give an account when you saved our soul and what you've done for us. Lord, before we leave this place, if there's anyone here that does not know you in the free part of sin, if they do not have that in their heart where they've come to accept you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today before they leave these, this church, before they leave these doors, they make things right with you. We thank you, sincerely thank you this morning for Kayla, for her words. We thank you this morning. Through Son Jesus Christ and the sacrifice on the cross. We love you this morning. I'll let you come to them. We pray. Amen. I appreciate everybody being here this morning. I appreciate again Taylor, Travis, and Young for coming out. Uh, if you've got, if y'all want to talk to them afterwards, if y'all have anything you'd like to say to Kayla as, as we leave, feel free, unless y'all got somewhere to go. If you, if you guys just want, okay. <laughs> you used to think about food, wouldn't you? I remember, Go for it. I remember that time. I was a woman of Main Street Center. Main Street Center. Right there, take it over. But oh Lord, I remember all those times that I've been hacking and I hadn't done right. But I'm always going to remember what Matt told me one day. I've never seen nobody take as much as you take. I never complain. We can thank him or we can complain. We can thank Lord or complain. How can you I'll never complain that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'll never complain. I appreciate Connelly. Appreciate that. You got that time and that place. I didn't know there was more than this here. <laughs> I thought this was a Baptist church. Well, where is it? No, that was many, many years ago. It was a long time ago, wasn't it? I like 71 years ago. Anybody else have anything before we close out? everybody this morning and we're going to close out I, we're dismissed right now y'all go anytime just uh, if you get an opportunity to talk to Kayla uh, thank her for being here I appreciate her being here as well glad we finally got to get her up here with us and
Um, be back here Wednesday night. We're going to keep on talking about the parable of the sower. Come on back here and be with us. You're dismissed.